On this episode, we discuss Dear Evan Hansen. A warning to listeners, on today's episode, we will be touching on some very sensitive topics, such as how Dear Evan Hansen is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey there, Dan McCoy. It's me, Stuart Wellington. Dear Dan and Stuart, it's me, your friend, Fuck. Elliot. He's already Elliot doing Elliot that is. <laughs> and who's joining us today? And we have a special guest today. That's right. We have bar owner, uh, podcaster, <laughs> queen of Brooklyn. That's right. Charlene Wellington, wow. my wife. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Should I do my Charlene, disclaimer now? Charlene, I didn't now? realize the previous... <laughs> Queen had died. I had, yeah, I had no idea I was the a queen. queen of Kings County, <laughs> Charlene. I'm the queen of Kings. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a spinoff series. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> More Scientology, though, right? More, yeah. Man. That'd be, that would be, yeah. They, yeah, if there was a king of queens, not a, why not a queen of kings? Yeah. You know? exactly. I know. It, it seems, it seems odd that they haven't. Yeah. There's that, a, that's what wild. people meet Jesus, they go, is there a queen of kings? Because he's a cat. <laughs> yeah. He's got a good job. <laughs> he's got a solid job. Holes in his hands. His dad is rich. And he's you know, got a, he's got a beard, up. right? Like that He's got that scatman. hot beard and that long hair. Come on, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. He can take a whipping. You know that. He's a <laughs> tough mean, dude, but he's not afraid to be sensitive. He wears his heart on his sleeve, literally, sometimes. Often statues show him uncomfortably hot. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's uncomfortably hot and also uncomfortable because he's crucified at the time. Anyway, yeah. uh, so I guess he's on Bumble wow. or something. That's <laughs> Jesus for your dating needs. <laughs> now what? Uh, so Shirley, you, you were a, super excited. Oh. We we picked. <laughs> uh, yeah, Elliot's yeah. going to riff on uh, Jesus a little bit more later. We'll save that. We'll table that. Uh, so we. We picked uh, this movie because mm-hmm. it has been a, let's say it has been kind of vilified by critics. And also, mm-hmm. you have a personal connection to this movie. Explain. Um, so we saw it on Broadway. Um, mm. and Truth. We, we hadn't heard that much about <laughs> it, but I kind of had the idea that it was going to be about uh, a gay teenager. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And um, was that just I, from the the ads that were on New York One? Yeah, maybe from yeah. the ads on New York One, and I guess because most of my friends that are very that talk to me about Broadway shows are gay. Okay, <laughs> I feel like you got a biased sample set there. I You're making assumptions biased, based on it. Yes, yeah, yes, I a, did. Um, and then we saw it. And I mean, am I allowed to reveal how I felt about the play before we talk about the movie? Yeah, 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 who knows? knows? Maybe the movie fixed whatever problems you had Um, with the play. I did not like it. And I felt like I was the first person to express that. (laughs) Um, Like, like I was being gaslit by this show and everybody who had seen it, who I'd spoken to about it was so excited. And I was like, uh, uh, it was fine. Well, what had, what had <laughs> happened was Ben Platt and his powerful producer father had been personally going around to each person who was about to say bad things about it. And they're like, no, no, no. But they didn't call me at all. <laughs> I know. I they didn't, didn't get any yeah. memo. Maybe it went to I, my spam folder. Yeah. 
<laughs> I had a similar, I also kind of just, I think, assumed this was a coming out tale. I don't know why. Yeah. Just because it was like a very, like a heartfelt, like the, the title of something about it. I don't know. And then I think it was you a You thought it was referring meme. to my dear Evan Hansen. Like, oh, it's my dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, it was a bit of a meme when the movie trailer came out of people like Googling the plot of Dear Evan Hansen and discovering it for the first time. And I went through that. I hadn't seen the play, but like I saw the trailer and I was like, what? That's what this <laughs> play is about? I read the plot description and I was gobsmacked by <laughs> what happens in the having not seen it yet. So And yet we still watched the film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanna well, I wanna say yeah. this is this is one of the rare occasions where Stuart gets to be the Flophouse co-host who talks about seeing a star of a movie on Broadway uh-huh. because <laughs> I did not see this show on Broadway. I refused multiple multiple <laughs> invitations to buy tickets to it because I, was, I, I wasn't sure what it was about. But just off the title and the poster, I was like – this is probably about like teen drama. Like I don't, I don't need to see this. The same way that yeah, I mean, every, you've been an old man there, for a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, but every the same way that every year there's a play where people are like you've got to see it, and I'm like, is it about a family that gets together and secrets come out? Well, yes. Well, then I don't need to see it. I've seen that play thirty <laughs> I, times before. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't I don't need to see it again. That lead. But this time it's in Osage County. That's okay. I don't need to see it in that one. But this time they're the humans. Yeah, it's okay. I don't need to see it. Sure. Um, so, Charlene, you're saying you did not like the play. So, what was it about the play that you didn't like? Um, I mean, I'll I'll spoil the plot if I if I tell you that. Oh, should we okay? talk? Should we talk? Yeah, about I mean, we'll, it's, it's, we should plot stuff, and it it didn't change. Like it didn't. This movie didn't change or improve on your opinion, right? I mean, we'll have to wait to see. But what about the part I, when? What about with the part when Alfred Molina showed up as Doc Ock? Wasn't, that was exciting, right? I didn't <laughs> that. If I were a rich Evan Hansen, yeah. When all the I, other Evan Hansens showed up. <laughs> oh my god, that's some sicko shit there, right there, man. Yeah, I, I do. I do actually kind of want to offer the uh, more sincere version of the joke introduction. Uh, just like, you know, content warning that by its nature, the plot of this uh, 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 show is about suicide and also mental illness in a way that, and I just want to make it clear that we will be ragging on this film. We will be laughing about it, but uh, that's because the movie uh, presents it in such a schmaltzy, uh, bad way. Not not because we are trying to like make light of actual serious well, things. Th- I think uh, I think that was one of the that was one of the things that I think pro- I don't know if it struck you guys the same way, but struck me as uh, really was hard. Was I was like I the things that this character is ostensibly supposed to be going through. Like I went through those types of feelings when I was a teen. Like I didn't, yes. you know, I to get to get real for a moment. Like I was depressed. I didn't want to live anymore at t- different times. And to see it handled in such a schmaltzy, shallow way, I was like, I, this should be yeah. hitting me right where I live. And instead, I was just like, come on, get out of here, movie. Like, don't don't bother. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I don't really I, feel like you know what you're talking about. So it was. I think I feel that's like yeah. most infuriating about it. Yeah, and so so yeah, we'll be touching on those topics. But yeah, we are. We're only going after the movie. We are not going after. People feeling yeah. those feelings, you know. Well, while, while watching it, I was talking to Audrey about like why I was resisting it so strenuously, and it's like, well, when a movie is like, you know, like this movie feels like it's not just pushing my buttons, but it like invited an elephant over to jump on those buttons. <laughs> and it just makes me get mad. I'm like, no movie, no. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I didn't give you a plus it. one, and the plus one certainly would not have been an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But what, has anyone, do you think anyone's ever done that? They've ever gone to a party with like an animal and they'd be like, it said plus one. It didn't say plus one human. Mm, that's true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> should have been more yeah, clear. Party thrower is like, I guess there's nothing in the rule book <laughs> yeah, for the, this party. The party judge says, I'll allow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because how you the get judge is too. also a dog. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's how We've deep the airbug conspiracy goes. <laughs> the judge is a dog, yeah. So, Stuart, what happens in this movie? Let's get into it, Well, the movie we? certainly opens with text. That's right. Evan Hansen, a high school boy, played, uh, let's say, an ancient high school boy. Is writing <laughs> yeah, we should, we, I guess we'll have on. to get that out of the way. Is In case people are not familiar, Ben Platt, the star of the Broadway show, plays the character in the movie and I think he was in like his early 20s when he played the character on Broadway uh-huh. but now he is in yeah. his late 20s and he mm. looks like a grown man who has been held back 15 times <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, he's in his late 20s but looks a little older because like whatever like everything they've done to style him down has the opposite effect <laughs> it's like of when aging an, him up when an elderly man has a mohawk and sunglasses he yeah. doesn't look like a cool teen he, exactly. or a punk. <laughs> he looks like an old man he also lost a lot of weight so he looks like he lost a lot of weight to look like a younger, like awkward teenage boy, but it just made him look older. Like it made him look yeah. wrinklier. Mm-hmm. He didn't have his hat <laughs> I think, on backwards. Uh, well, I think it, he didn't have a slingshot look, in his pocket. Nope, like, no beanie with a propeller. <laughs> yeah, none like, of these things. On. I would not be so focused on appearance if it wasn't so disastrous to the movie. So, yeah. But it's great. yeah, like there's something about like the way it it, it accentuates the the olderness of his face, like uh-huh. the fact that mm-hmm. he has done this with his body, and, and, yeah. and it yeah. accentuates the the artificiality of the plot to have someone who's clearly so obviously not of the an accurate age yes. playing this part. And I think in a play, you can get away with that the same uh-huh. way that in a play, you can get away with having no set and you'll, yeah. and you'll buy yeah. whatever. But in a but movie, it's much harder town, to do Elliot. that. <laughs> Unless the movie is Grease. <laughs> Unless it's yeah. Grease. Which, but, it, but Grease is already but, such a goofball movie. You know, like, and everybody was, about, was in their 30s. <laughs> yes. I mean, the other thing, if everybody in the movie, that's the other thing, is everybody in the movie looked like a grown up, then you'd be like Saved by the Bell, where mm-hmm. it's like, or Beverly Hills 90210, where it's like, uh-huh. well, every teen looks like a, they're in their 20s, so it's mm-hmm. not so bad. But in this, it's everyone, even when they are in their 20s, they're cast to look like teens. They look like teens. And you have this yeah. one guy who looks like he's a grown up. It looks like the um, the John Cryer movie where he has to go un- he has to, the witness protection program <laughs> yeah. and has to go back to high yes. school as a teen and like that you think all the other people in the high school must be like what is this grown up doing in our class is this Cameron Crowe come back to research Fast Times every time I like what's going on yes and the lead character will be engaging in the sort of behavior that is much more understandable out of a confused teenager but the older the man looks the more angry you become yeah. at the character yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, well, the movie opens with text. Evan Hansen's a high school boy, and he's writing an encouraging email to himself uh, before the first day of his senior year of high school. (laughs) Uh, He's anxious, he looks super old, and has a cast over his wrist. Um, And he he sings this big number, uh, waving through a window, uh, like that sicko meme, and he's uh, waving to all the people that walk by. It's this, you know, very moving piece about how everybody feels like they don't belong, and, you know, uh, he takes a break. He's tap, tap, tapping at the window. Yeah, and and because we don't know yet why the cast is there, we can only assume being a teen that he broke it masturbating furiously. 
It's some kind of <laughs> carpal tunnel masturbation injury, you know? Mm-hmm. And He's uh, like, dear Evan uh, Hansen, give it a rest. It's not going anywhere. You're going to have it the rest of your life. You don't need to use it up now. <laughs> the, uh, we, we meet his mom, played by Julianne Moore, and she is just too busy for him. You know, she's a single mom. She works real hard. She loves her kids, and she'll never stop. Uh, I don't remember the rest of the theme song. Um, and, uh, but she's still encouraging him to overcome, like she's encouraging him to overcome his social anxiety. Um, he's on a series of medication that we see, uh, glimpses of, um, he's very nervous about this upcoming day of school. Um, the school's mascot is the Bobcats. I don't know why I wrote that down, but it's important to me. Um, <laughs> well, hold on. Like, well, it does play uh, in very important later, as, right? Oh, no, it doesn't. Never mind. As long as you bring it up, though, uh, we were watching it, and, like, Audrey was suddenly like, wasn't there a movie with basically, like, a similar plot? And she was describing, like, oh, yeah, World's Greatest Dad, yeah. directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh. And she's like, do you think that they did the Bobcats because of this? I'm like, because they knew, I don't the, know, it could be tip, a weird tip of the hat. Tip of the hat to how they stole the plot from the <laughs> Exactly. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in many great. ways, in, and in many ways, a more sensitive deal uh, handling of the topic. Uh, yeah. Despite being like an out, <laughs> like an uh, like an overtly tasteless movie, you know. But anyway. Uh, and the song that he's singing, which builds to this big crescendo while he's singing in a uh, auditorium filled with people, but he's all alone, is that uh, he keeps referencing uh, climbing up a tree and then falling out of it, and like no one being around there to like pick him up. There's this song, and so I was, I had never heard the soundtrack to this mm-hmm. show before. Mm-hmm. All the songs kind of sound the same. And it's yeah. basically all like remixes of A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and they and they, there's so many metaphors that he runs through. He's like, I'm tap tap tapping at the window. Then it's if a tree falls and no one's there, does anyone hear it? I'm mm-hmm. stepping into the sun, and I was like, song, pick a metaphor. Like, then go with it. Like, I don't, you don't get to run through every possible metaphor in the whole song. And you know, it's also a very modern style of musical theater composition that I don't like, probably just because I'm old. Where it is not melody based. Like you can't, you cannot like leave this and be like, oh, I remember the tune to that song. It's the, not... The only part I uh, walked away remembering was the line, I will sing no requiems in a later song because <laughs> the line felt so out of character for every single person that sang mm-hmm. the lyric because... Yeah. They, but uh, anyway, that's, did, the, only, that's these, the only part I remember. Did no one these else people wake- did La La Land and... Sorry. Oh, oh I was going to say, did no one else wake up this morning singing... Dear Evan Hansen, what to say to you? No. Uh, Audrey was literally singing to Dear Theodosia around the house. I have to admit, it's possible the music didn't stick with me because my kids are obsessed with your good man, Charlie Brown, right now, and we're listening to that soundtrack nonstop. So no matter what song I want to think of, what I hear is, why are you telling me my new philosophy from that show? <laughs> yeah. so. Oh, I thought it was going to be supper, 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 yeah, supper, that's a big supper. one too. And strangely enough, Beethoven Day, my kids love that song. Uh-huh. Weird. Yeah, Is that, so. That's a song about the day where you watch all the Beethoven movies? Exactly, yeah, because Schroeder, the Peanuts character, loves the Beethoven films. <laughs> that's what he's to me. obsessed with. Uh, so, that's why he has he has the skin of a St. Bernard that he wears, and he says, I'm Beethoven, I'm Beethoven. And uh-huh. who's going to be my Charles Grodin? And uh-huh. it frightens the other children so badly. That makes sense. And then he's burned alive at the end of the festival. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, at the at the end of Burning Beethoven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the only way they can ensure a good harvest. Doi. Uh, yeah. So uh, was, no, now I do want to see a, a Wicker Man parody where there it's a, where Summer Isle is just obsessed with the Beethoven films, and they're like, he's like, killing me won't bring back the Beethoven franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
At first, he We've keeps talking about Clifford, the big red dog. <laughs> yeah, he's so musical. So at first, he uh, Edward Woodward thinks he's just talking about Beethoven, the composer. And after a while, <laughs> there's a dawning moment of horror when he realizes it's about the movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like I almost understood it when it was the music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... Um, the so this you know this big opening ends at a like a school like pep rally or some shit yeah uh, where Evan Hansen is working uh, doing AV for it with his friend Jared who is uh, like playing the bitchiest gay best friend role like he dials mm. up the snark to an insane level it's wild. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I find him the most sympathetic because I'm like, yes, you're right. You should be. <laughs> you should, should be, be mean to, scoffing. Well, at, like, at at the uh, well, I mean, like Evan Hansen does some things later on that I'm like, well, the correct <laughs> the correct reaction to it is, what are you doing? Well, but I think the problem here is, so Evan Hansen is so presented as life's innocent. He's so naive and innocent and and mm. gentle and doesn't want to hurt anybody. And his friend talks is really bitchy, kind of in the way that teen boys are to each other. Like teen boys are at nasty to each other, and it just mm-hmm. feels so over the top because Evan Hansen is just so like, is giving him nothing back. Like there's no yeah. like when you're. I feel like when I was a teen boy, a lot of my Commercial uh, conversation with my friends were like, "Fuck you, idiot! No, you're stupid, asshole!" Like that would be the whole conversation. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but with and then but we with made the a podcast them, about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, and we never grew up. But but Jared is like, "Hey, loser!" And Evan's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess." I guess I am kind of a loser. And it's like, wait, hold on. That's not what a friend does. Like if his real friend would dial it back and be like, are you okay? But instead he's just mean to him all the time. It's his, basically nobody in the movie bullies him except his best friend when you get down. And and also and also Connor, the actual dear Speaking Evan Speaking of Connor, Evan has an we'll intense him. encounter with Connor, an angry loner. And then Evan Hansen is disrespectful to Connor's sister, his crush, Zoe, played mm-hmm. by Caitlin Deaver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Caitlin Deaver, one of the many overqualified actresses in this mm-hmm. movie. Her and Amy Adam and Julianne Moore, all, all fantastic. And like, there are scenes in this movie, to, spoiler alert, that work for me. And then, uh, and they almost all revolve around one of those side yes. characters. Yes. <laughs> oh, but, and by far, their stories are yeah, are more interesting and yeah. more. Yeah, more emotional than Evans, you know. Yeah. Well, like Caitlin De- uh Zoe, played by Caitlin Deaver, approaches Evan Hansen after his after her brother, who we later find out is aggressive and abusive, uh, that she approaches him with sympathy and offers to like shake his hand. And he and he won't shake her hand because he's worried his hand is wet and he just like he's super it's like it's hard at this it's point bad. you're like, I'm having trouble finding sympathy for you. You gotta you gotta get something here, Evan Hansen. Well, he he's, runs he's, off with the goofy run <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> like, I've been Ben Platt. I just have a theory that, like, the fact that he played this on stage really hampered him, not just for the age thing, but like, I feel like he's giving a much bigger performance than everyone else that maybe was uh, like calibrated for the stage and mm-hmm. is not so good when the camera is right next to you. But sorry, what were you going to say, Elliot? Well, it's adding to that the fact that every time a song ends, he stands there for. 20 seconds to a minute <laughs> like waiting, waiting for applause, applause that will never waiting. come because it's a movie. No, I think similarly, it's I think not any, worthy of applause. <laughs> I think anytime wow. a grown up plays a kid, and this is, and I mean, there's the movie Jack with Robin Williams, which is, which is not a good movie, but he's ostensibly playing a kid in a grown man's body, but he plays him as a small child as opposed to like a 10 year old. And mm-hmm. here it feels like Ben Platt is playing a 10 year old rather than a teenager. Like he's, he, the, when grown ups play kids, for some reason, they kind of forget that. 
kids are almost always trying to appear older than they are mm-hmm. in their actions or that their kids are full of energy and like – if anything, Evan Hansen's character should be too loud rather than too quiet. Like he should be too eager rather than too, so so. Sh- like he sh- he's when a kid feels that way, often they kind of overcompensate for it because they don't want people to notice, and that gives them away. And instead, he comes off as like you know he. I mean, to put it in the most tasteful way of it, not just really, he he comes off as a guy with not just emotional. Uh, not emotional instability, but also like mental disabilities. Like he comes off as a guy who is not of average intelligence for that age when he's yeah. not writing letters yes, to himself. Yes, that's fair. I mean, and that's, it's because he's overdoing it all the time. Well, it's you know? one of the reasons why adults playing children or even teenagers usually only works if it's a comedy, whether it's like uh, John Hodgman's never produced a TV show where he plays himself uh, yeah. or uh, Charlene's script. favorite show, Pen 15. For listeners at home, Charlene uh, would like to warn everyone that she hates all nerds and <laughs> <laughs> wants to bad stuff all nerds into lockers. Yeah. Not true. I'm married to a nerd. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I guess my days are numbered. <laughs> you went to the store. Give me your handsomest nerd. <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me a no, nerd no, no. where people Watch don't realize he's a nerd until they hear him talk or look at his T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> Let's make this about me instead of Evan Hansen. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so well, what's Evan Hansen doing these days? So he's so uh, we get a little bit of a montage of him in school, and he's just not fitting in. For instance, in the locker room, he's surrounded by a bunch of super cut fucking hard bodies in his school. <laughs> like yikes! Yeah, I'd be like, are they the all in the that. same gym class? Because he's. He's picked the wrong elective, I think. Yeah, they're I think all you're in the right. same class. Like he doesn't uh, belong in that class. He bumps it. He's so he's been writing these. Uh, he's been writing these letters to himself as an assignment from his therapist, and he has to print one of them out in the library, which seems like a huge mistake. Um, and the school library is backed. the The printer line is backed up, and he bumps uh, into Connor again, who. Uh, they, you know, it, they don't really hit it off, but Connor offers to sign his cast. He signs uh, Evan's cast in the biggest font possible with a massive Sharpie. <laughs> and you think for now, a moment, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's called a font if it's being handwritten. <laughs> Dan, so. thank you for saying it, so I didn't have to. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it, but it's it was times new Roman, Connor, right? That you select. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he selected wingdings on the uh, on the sharpie. He's like, hold on, I gotta write in all these symbols. Wait, let me look up no, which one is an N. Hold this, on. Uh, <laughs> this is one of those interactions, though, that you know you have a lot of uh, in high school, where it's like there's a weird aggression to it. It's like the, the Connor's not being maybe like genuinely nice to Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. There's like this weird undercurrent uh, at all times. Like maybe if he's challenged, things will go off the rails as they do later on. Mm-hmm. But it does seem that maybe Connor also is willing to reach out uh, to some degree. Like if things went differently, I don't know. Who knows? And he it does is, feel he like initiates. Connor's re- he yeah, initiates he's initiating yeah, and reaching exactly. out in the way he knows how, which is through hostility. Yeah, but it's yes. not. But it doesn't feel like he is doing it. He's not like, <laughs> let me sign your cast, moron. Ugh. Like he's he is like, I'll sign it, I'll <laughs> sign it, and he just does it too big, and he's you know, he's a trouble yeah. soul. And the the Connor character who is plays in a way plays a big part in the movie. He's supposed to be this like troubled loner who has problems with drugs, but he 
just looks like a jock or like a theater dude. <laughs> I mean, because he is a theater dude. Because right? he was in the, he was also in the stage show, Dear Evan Hansen. And but uh, <laughs> the fact that it's like he has black fingernail polish and wears a black shirt, and it's like, yeah, look at this troublemaker. Yeah. Look, look at this guy on the edge. Look at <laughs> yeah. his fingers, but, man. Better and close it, up the town a little early tonight. <laughs> we got trouble he, here. And he's also such a troublemaker, but he has no friends. Like, where does he get the drugs? That's a like, really what? good point. <laughs> Every troublemaker I knew was surrounded by other troublemakers. Yeah, that's and true. I was the like, kids, "How can I be with those cool kids?" The kids most like <laughs> the kids most like him in my high school were not one kid. It was yeah, five of them. Yeah, and they were like a pack that roamed around, and people were like rolling their eyes at them all the time. And I think they got, they all got expelled when when they called in a fake bomb threat so that they could leave school to go to a concert. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's a movie, right yeah, there. Yeah, that's, that that's a good plan. So those were the Connors at my school, but. Uh, but yeah, so Connor signs his, his cast, but he gets the letter, right? Yeah, he finds in he finds in the printer uh, Evan Hansen. I, I keep trying to call him dear Evan Hansen. Uh, <laughs> he finds Evan Hansen's uh, the letter Beach. that he had written to himself that specifically mentions Connor's sister Zoe, and it Connor thinks it's some his like moment of uh, connection is immediately broken. His walls go up. He thinks Evan is like gaslighting him or doing something to him. Uh, he takes the letter and he storms off in, uh, you know, and Evans freaks out because he's worried that Connor is going to share this letter that shows his vulnerability to the school. Uh, and he spends the next couple of days trying to track down Connor, who is missing. He is gone. Mm -hmm. uh, and we find out that he is then when he is called into the principal's office shortly after this to meet with Connor's parents, Cynthia Cynthia Murphy and Larry. Oh, I don't. Larry has a different, different, Larry different Moore. last name. Um, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Connor's parents, uh, played by Amy Adams and an actor who I'm not familiar with, but Char saw him on a and cop he's on show. SVU, and he played Danny like Pino. A, he's, he was he was on Cold Cases for a long yeah. time, and he plays a mm. gang a gang. Boss. He's on Mayans MC, right? Uh, maybe that. Yeah, that, I think that's the one where he plays a gang. He, he plays a gang yeah. leader on something. <laughs> He definitely looks like he is on some sort of Dick Wolf detective show. Yeah, like, he, he is. looks like he all the like, is. he could be like Ben Bratt or something. Like, he's yeah, like one yeah. Of the, <laughs> is it because one well, yeah, of the Dick yeah. Wolf guys? He's an SVU. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There's a scene later on where he's like sitting uh, on the couch watching TV, and he's still wearing his tie. And I'm like, what maniac <laughs> is still wearing their tie in their own home? <laughs> like, he doesn't yeah. need to stay dressed up for any reason. He's watching TV. Um, it's not like the TV <laughs> on can the see you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so well, yeah. certain C certain TVs can see you, and there was a and there was a large settlement case a couple years ago because people were being watched through their TVs. Yeah, right? Oh my yeah. goodness, this TV can see clothes. me. Yeah, uh, it's a computer screen. <laughs> we can see you right now. Oh no! Uh, so, and they're like, so and the they, they give why, them some bad news, right? Yeah. They're, thank you for thank you for leading me along, Elliot. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think this show's more about bits. Where I was going to make a joke about Black Mirror, but you know, fuck it. Let's get on with the plot. Of the <laughs> oh wow! Um, so the reason why Evan has to go talk to Connor's parents is because Connor has committed suicide, and their only bit of uh, information that they have is. Uh, the note that Evan had written to himself was found in Connor's back pocket, and they assumed that it was a suicide note written by Connor. So at this point, this story that we thought was about like 
teen isolation has now turned into like a farce a little bit, which is fucking strange. Uh, I bet like a tragic farce. It's not meant to be yeah. funny. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. it's not, it's not a, it's not like the movie is like, uh oh, what's going to happen with this mix up? You know, it's, but it is a, it is, you're right. It is a farce type of mechanism for them to, I mean, if you find, if to, if I can understand in their situation, them uh, being like, I think this is what this is. He must've written this. Uh, it doesn't sound like him. Uh, but and we didn't know that he ever knew you because we don't know who you are, Evan Hansen. But maybe. But then for Evan Hansen to be like, uh, yeah, 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 maybe. Like he, he, he doesn't. He. It would be so easy for him to say, I wrote that by myself and he took it from me but i guess he doesn't want anyone to know that he has a crush on zoe or something like that so he just goes along he goes along with it i think a lot of it has to do with his crippling anxiety and like in the moment he doesn't want to like take away like amy adams is like this is one of the few things we have that's true he he feels like he's he feels like he's saving her the pain of of yes. no, I have of, not having anything left. Yeah. I have to point out that this is somebody who is so socially awkward he couldn't even shake Zoe's hand. Yet he is cold reading this family and figuring out what they want to hear. Like, <laughs> well, he's, like only he's, Miss he's Cleo like, yeah. can do. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. We used to hang out at. Uh, I mean, this might be later. We used to hang out at yeah. uh, his favorite <laughs> place, the Orchard. Yeah, the Orchard. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm getting. I'm, I'm feeling. I'm feeling you know. I'm feeling the, the the letter L. You know someone with the letter L? My Aunt Louise? Yes, that's right. It's Louise. Okay. Yeah, well, he grows up to be Bradley Cooper in Nightmare Alley is what happens. So he grows up and goes through a time warp to the past? Hold on yeah. a second. That'd be so yeah. funny. At the last scene of Dear Evan Hansen is him writing a letter to himself and then falling through a time portal and ending up yeah. in the 1920s Agent so he can grow up to be Bradley Cooper in the 1940s or whatever, 1930s. Like. A- age and time mean very little to uh, Evan Hansen as we have already talked <laughs> about. He, he's already unstuck. He's already halfway to being the character from... Um, was it Heinlein's story, All You Zombies or something, where the same person yeah. is their own mother, father, and child? Yeah. Like, because uh, they travel through time? Anyway. Like, Jesus. No, uh, that's not. <laughs> that's not true at all. So Evan goes along with the Jesus ruse. Jesus is not his own mother and father. He's just a hot single who's looking to connect. Uh, Evan, Evan goes over to the Murphy's house, and he continues this lie that he and Connor are best friends. He does this cold reading situation. Um and uh, and when he's pressed, he continues to double down. He keeps building on the lie. Uh, he sings a whole song about it. The, and yeah, and that that that's uh, it leads to a big musical number. And by big, oh, I mean I it lying. takes place entirely at a at a dining room table, um, where Ben Platt sits at the table singing to their faces. <laughs> Uh, it's so and- funny. It's such a funny way to stage it that he's just, it's just like, yeah. I guess. So, and because there's nothing, there's nothing fantastical about the staging. There's no musical number. It's like, yeah, I think maybe this character in reality is just sitting at this table, singing <laughs> in these people's faces. And the thing that did makes you guys it have the, go on. I was just wondering if you had the same experience I did with this dinner thing where Were you I really wanted distra- to eat the food because they weren't touching it? I was it. trying to figure out what the food was. They had some kind of chicken on there, it looked like. They some had kind chicken, of roast but they chicken. also had like this, like what I guess was like a giant roll, but it had kind of like a pastry outside. Like it looked like a, maybe like a brioche. Which I don't is know. weird because the mom makes a big point of being gluten free later in the movie. Yeah. So, oh, but it, yeah. it was bothering me that nobody was touching this food the entire scene. It was I'm just like, sitting is that a roll? Is it a potato? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, singing, yeah. Stuart. Yeah, that's uh, that's clearly why the father was looking so unhappy the whole time, is because like, will this kid shut up so I can eat? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so he's basically singing a song that's all made up about uh, his friendship with Connor. And it's mainly just him sitting at the table singing to their faces. And occasionally we get glimpses of him, uh, of flashbacks where Evan climbed a tree and fell out of the tree. But in this version of it, Connor is there to help him up. Um, the But at the same time, Amy Adams is so desperate to to, to learn more about her son. Uh, but the, the father is uh, skeptical and uh, the sister Zoe is very skeptical because we – and we, we the twist at this point we learn is that Connor was not well liked by them, that he was abusive, that he had drug problems, uh, and that this is kind of the first time they'd heard anything positive about him from anybody. Yes, which is uh – also, like World's Greatest Dad, where <laughs> <laughs> he forges notes to make his son sound nicer than he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, when they realize that he doesn't have uh, – that they want more information, that they couldn't find any uh, communication between Connor and Evan on Connor's devices – Evan decides to uh, sweeten this deal a little bit <laughs> by involving his friend Jared, and together mm-hmm. they uh, they forge a, an extensive email relationship between yes. Evan and Connor. Yeah, and this is the and one. This is, what, this is the one lighthearted song in the whole movie when they're doing this. Yeah. Like it gets pretty silly. This song because every yeah, other song, every other song in this is like is like. We're going to make you cry with the song. <laughs> You're going to cry by the end of the song. But this one's like, we're buddies and we're doing things. Me and my friend Connor, diddly, we're in go-karts now. It's like something <laughs> like, out, yeah. That first was, one you did was like something out of the Bad Out of Hell musical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's it's it was meatloaf. much more Jim Steinman uh, yeah. of Meatloaf. Yeah, yeah. No, it has fun <laughs> staging because they're putting words into Connor's mouth and you see Connor singing them and dancing. And, you know, as... Evan, like, objects to what his friend is writing. Like, the words will change. They'll do it over again. And I I agree that this is actually a pretty funny song. It's probably the number I enjoyed the most because I'm like, okay, something is, like, cutting through the schmaltz with, like, a little bit of irony, like, showing some some sense of that the show knows how screwed up all of this is. Like, I don't, I don't, rather than like, look what this, you know, the sad web, like, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of bad things happen, but ultimately it brought people closer together and taught this kid how to be better. So isn't it worth it? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) But it almost makes it worse because they, now, now you're, you understand that they know how to make like a light, fun song exactly yeah, I, would, I didn't so in the show were there other light songs because i know they cut songs for the movie but i don't mm-hmm. know any of them or were they all serious except for this one I or was this like the new song serious. they added There's, for the oscars no this was this was in the i remember this song from the stage production i rem, i know there's a song that they cut where uh larry connor's dad plays like plays catch with Evan. <laughs> uh, for some reason, they're like, "Nah, this doesn't need to be in the movie." <laughs> uh, and yeah. they also cut. They also cut a couple songs that uh, Evan's mom sang. I'm assuming in part oh. because Julianne Moore does not have a big uh, musical theater background. I mean, they can put in someone else's voice, though. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's I mean, not. Uh, I guess that's not as that's not as well looked on now. But I mean, that's the way movie musicals used to be for. You know, I guess two, yeah. uh, two hours and 21 minutes weren't enough for you. 
Yeah, <laughs> I wanted more. I, I, wanted, I, I wish the movie was called more world. Evan Hansen. Yeah, I want to be a, yeah, that's what I want is to just exist in the world of the Bobcat school for longer. Follow some of those other characters, see where their labyrinths lead. <laughs> this was your avatar. Like, oh, some people dream of living on Pandora. I want to be in that high school. <laughs> well, where's the theme park for me? My dear Evan Hansen world. Yeah. So I mentioned I mentioned uh, Julianne Moore. Well, uh, she keeps trying to reach out to Evan, uh, but she also keeps flaking on him. She wants to connect, but every time she makes plans, she has to she has to bail because she has to work. Um, yeah. And Evan Evan is getting more and more distant from her, whether it's because he is wise to her uh, her patterns or because he is getting so caught up in his uh, imaginary life. In his uh, Evan, web of lies that are pushing Zoe, his crush, to the point of to the to to extremes of behavior. You know. Yeah, and he also. And speaking of Zoe, this is when he uses an opportunity to get closer to her uh, where she wants to know more about – because she's mentioned in the Dear Evan Hansen letter, she wants to know more about uh, if Connor said anything about her. So at this point, he sings this super creepy-ass song about <laughs> basically superimposing all of his feelings and observations about Zoe onto things Connor said, which is Fucking yeah. wild. It's so yeah. it's so creepy and, it's so and gross. Creepy. Yeah. It feels like Zoe should be like, oh, so that's why he killed himself. He couldn't deal with the fact that he was in love with his own sister. <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like. <laughs> the, all the things yeah. he's saying are like things that would make sense for a crush to say. But yeah, he's channeling it through the Connor's memory, and she's like, Really? Yeah, really. It's like, that's weird. These are not things like it's a, that, it's a mixture not of things that a brother feels for his sister. Yeah, yeah. It's a mixture of things a you would have for your crush, but also this like, oh, but it's it's forbidden. Like his attitude toward why he can't share this information is that like there's n I can't do it. Society wouldn't accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's also wild to see, you know, Ben Platt, who looks like an old man singing it. Um, I don't know. I don't have any siblings. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. I mean, maybe, maybe we we know that they're not, but, you know, the internet seems very taken with the concept of step-siblings having relations, right, Dan? Oh. <laughs> what? You brought it up. You were just telling me about it. Um, so the, have, you guys, have you guys ever seen, have you guys ever ever stumbled upon Pornography the, uh, about the, step-siblings? <laughs> yeah, Stum well, stumbled I mean, upon. Have you guys seen this? No, there's, that, there's, I'll there's, send you some links. The, the, the pornography where it is people who are not related and who are pretending to be in a family in the video so that they can so that they can be having sex within their family, but you, the viewer, knows they're not really a family, though. It's this, it's a it's like the, it feels like uh this is something that was was shown to me, as and I was like, "Who? What audience is this for? What, what, <laughs> yeah. Who is not, to who's only going to buy into this premise halfway?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, uh, even within the confines of fantasy, I need to make it clear <laughs> that I realize. Like, let's everyone. Uh, I'm going to sign an affidavit about. <laughs> This pornography. Uh, uh. Meanwhile, the rest of the school. <laughs> I need plausible deniability on this <laughs> pornography. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, once you have all that, then you're allowed to legally have a boner. <laughs> yeah. That's when that's when Judge Bud, Judge Airbud says ruff, ruff, which means I'll allow it. Yeah, because yeah. the judge at sex court is also a is also a dog. Oh man, how deep does this go? Um, sex court. Okay, so the the whole school is latched on to the tragedy today. Today in sex court, the plaintiff wants to have sex with the defendant. Will the defendant say yes? 
Okay. That's well, okay, the verdict was yes. That's sex court. Okay. I, I feel like I feel like that show Hot Bench was like, can we just call it sex court? And they're like, no, 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 that's too obvious. What is Hot Bench? I don't know that show. Hot what? Bench is a show with uh Charlotte. You're you're our uh, well, judicial Hot Bench show. is uh, created by Judge Judy, and mm-hmm. there are three judges, and um I actually don't watch it. I don't like it that much. <laughs> oh. See, it sounds more to me like a, you know, like a game show that would confuse you while you were traveling in a foreign country where it's yeah. like there's a very hot bench and people just have to sit on it as long as you're not really what, sure what the rules well, are. Like sit eight, on it the longest, wins the bench. Yeah. There's eight different exactly. pieces of writing in different fonts on the screen at any point and a cartoon yeah. character with a tongue hanging out just spinning around in one corner. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't understand how a human being intakes this sensory input and processes it in a, in a way. Yeah. We, were, we were watching that work recently. We were watching a, a clip from a Japanese kind of hidden camera show and there were so many people in like, there were so many commentators on the video yeah. talking at the exact same time and also audience noise. And I was like, I don't understand how to parse these voices. Like, I don't know. No, that, I don't know. <laughs> that's always really interesting to me is like watching uh, shows that, you know, in America we wouldn't think would have commentators, but uh, like in Japan, Japan, various like different genres, like also like have like a panel of commentators to talk about the show. It's like they took the after show and put it in the middle of the show. They put it at the during same the time. show, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a bold, uh, it's bold innovation. They're a very busy country. They've got to get it done quickly. They're on the yeah. move. <laughs> so meanwhile, the whole school is latched onto the tragedy of Connor's passing. Uh, and oh, wait. Oh, can I mention one thing where uh, we see Evan's room and there's a Ben Folds poster in his room and, and, and I turned yes. my wife and went, no shit. Because like, yeah, of course, like, yeah, of course he listens to Ben Folds. Like this, yeah, don't right surprise next to, me like, too a much. Poster. Poster. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So the whole schools latch onto the tragedy and uh, they, the, the kids have all found ways to make uh, this tragedy personal uh, mm-hmm. like teenagers and sociopaths do. Um, <laughs> And specifically, Alana, the head, I think she's like the head cheerleader or like the class president. She's like, she's the class president, I think. She's like the, she's like the activist kid at the school. She's yeah. always got a cause. She, uh, she decides to organize a charity in Connor's name. So at this point, the lie is starting to get even bigger. Um, yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there is one thing the show does and it, it, it latches, it, it grasps is that teenagers find a way to make every little thing about them. Uh, and then we, uh, I have a note here that Amy Adams takes, uh, Evan Hansen to her son Connor's room, bedroom, which is surprisingly clean and makes me feel like what was my clean, my room was way more fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) None none of the rooms in this, in this movie look like people actually live in them. They all look Mm -hmm. like they've been staged for a real estate company or a department store that's selling the furniture. There are a couple holes in the drywall from where he punched them, but I feel like a real bad kid would have then like drawn around them in Sharpie or something. Mm. Um, <laughs> Cause we all know that he likes to write his name big and Sharpie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be funny uh, if, if the walls, one of the, main the walls were covered with, with him practicing his name in Sharpie in different <laughs> fonts and styles. And <laughs> He so, does one in bubble letters, and one where the letters are all animals with with faces and things, you know. Uh, yeah, he's you know he's he's a, a tagger. Um, Evan agrees to speak at Connor's memorial at the school. Uh, 
and he is going he is going to wear the saddest tie in the world, Connor's tie that was purchased for him to go to bar mitzvahs, and he did not get invited to a single one. It's like baby shoes never worn the tie. Uh, <laughs> and Evan Part goes two, up. This time it's tie. <laughs> uh, Evan goes up on uh, on stage in front of the whole school, and he starts to <laughs> biff it it's, hard. It's, 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 it's a six-word short story. For sale, tie, never worn. Shit, I need another word. Uh, <laughs> uh, and? So Evan goes up to speak, and he starts fucking it up. He gets too nervous, and he fucks it up just enough that all the shitty kids whip out their phones to start TikToking it. And, of course, at that point, he's like, fuck yeah, it's my time to shine, and he sings a big-ass song, and everyone's like, oh, my God, he's doing it. Uh, <laughs> he sings this song about how even, no matter who, how alone you feel, you will be found. It's just yeah, such it's an the, amazing song. It's the big one that's in all the ads. Um, and they yeah. and they and put he that sings up. it so long that there's a montage of <laughs> yeah. it and, going viral. And in this song, in this montage of it going viral, we were watching it. And my wife went, "That's my old coworker." And there's an el- there's an older lady who shows up in it, and she was like, "That can't be. It must be somebody else." And we looked it up on on the like when you pause it on Amazon and the names of the cast came up uh-huh. and there it was listed the woman she used to work with at the private school she was a librarian at wow. and it turns wow. out this woman her her son-in-law was one of the editors on the movie and put her in during this section so oh. if anything that so was the most hope? exciting that was the most exciting part of the movie to us was when my <laughs> wife recognized yeah. an old coworker as lady <laughs> talking virally about how this video you have to look at and the, and the viral yeah. video the video of his speech it has the title his best friend killed himself <laughs> it was like his best friend like, killed himself yeah. you'll never guess what he did next and it's like <laughs> literally what he's doing is giving a eulogy for his friends like it's not it's not that but it's such a funny title <laughs> yeah and this whole se- segment is shot like I don't know, like an ad for YouTube that would play during the Super Bowl that's yeah. meant to make you cry about something. <laughs> like that that this is one of the biggest instances of me like getting mad at the movie specifically the way it's directed because it does seem to be taking its cues from like tear-jerking advertisements rather than anything that feels like honest. <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. And it's filled with people also making this tragedy about them, making their own videos, like reaction videos to the video. And it starts to get actually starts to get some serious views. At first I'm like, "Oh, those are dog shit numbers." But it makes some serious <laughs> views and I'm like, I, "I'm assuming there's people on Twitter that are like, "I hope Evan Hansen doesn't become a milkshake duck." And you're like, "Oh, buddy." <laughs> what? Sure, <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain what milkshake duck. Okay. I think I have before. Um, I mean, uh, you asked me to do it to you once, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that's you know that's a little uh, little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> it involves a curtain, is why I said. Curtain. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah. So it like this this lie continues to build and get bigger, but it also by going the by his eulogy going viral, it finally allows the family to come to terms with Connor's death, and they come together and they grieve finally. I don't know why this does it, but then I also can't explain how people can get through this life of ours. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it it is this weird moment of it that. The, the, I, it is I, I, this is the closest it gets to like commentary about modern age I, I, modern days I guess is that it's like he gives this he gives this fake speech that connects with people emotionally all over the world and it's not until this family has gotten the like 
the eyes of the world on them that they can finally move forward. It's almost like they don't exist until other people are witnessing their grief yeah. and <clears throat> absorbing it into themselves and reflecting it back as gratitude, you know. Yeah. Which is a sad commentary yeah. on these troubled times. Mm -hmm. For 60 Minutes, I'm Elliot Kalin. Tick, 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 tick. How did our show get in the middle of 60 Minutes? Evan keeps leeching off the family. He keeps pushing his mother away. He manages to get his cast off. I don't know what that symbolizes. Maybe that's uh, that shell that he's uh, been trying to burst out of uh, so he can become a full-time fucking manipulator. <laughs> the chrysalis is gone. He's yeah, yeah, a beautiful he's, butterfly. He's no longer a gentle caterpillar. He's now a con man butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> So then we get a weird scene where Zoe comes over to his house and uh, she see, she immediately wants to go see his bedroom. And we're like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she takes her coat off. Charlene, you're a girl. You've done this before, right? I've been like, can I see your bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me check it out. Let me sit on the edge Show of the Show me where you keep all your dirty socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she explains that, like, Evan, we don't have to talk about my brother anymore. That she she likes him for him, not because he sings like Pavarotti mm. or because he's such a hottie. <laughs> oh boy, I was wondering if that song was gonna come oh, up. Man. <laughs> Ugh, did not like it then. Don't like it now. It's still bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, still yeah, a bad song. This is a, this is a weird <laughs> scene because again, it's Ben Platt and Caitlin Deaver, and it's you know. Whatever. And and again, they're not that far apart from each other in real age, but in movie age, they look like they're very far apart from yeah. each other. Yeah. yeah. And and it is uh, also weird for to be like, I like you for you. And it's like, well, he's provided nothing but Connor stuff. So I don't yeah. know what it is about him that you're you're seeing. That you're I mean that she you're senses a gentle lying soul. <laughs> who, who, but she like who lies to grieving families. She approached him. I mean, she's the one who initiated contact first, and we don't really know enough about her That's true. like in her life yeah. other than she was like threatened and abused by her brother. So and she likes to maybe she had a huge crush on him too. We don't know. We don't know. That was something that that was something that my wife was saying when we were watching was that she totally, when she was younger, she would see a guy who was kind of like quiet, moping by himself, and assume he must have such a deep soul. Like he must, he must be so wise and have <laughs> such poetry trick. in him. Yeah. And then she'd meet those guys, and they, which never worked for me. No one ever approached yeah. me thinking I had a deep soul when I was a quiet, mopey kid. But the, uh, but she would approach them, and it would be like, oh no, they've all they they have nothing going on. Like it's yeah. Yeah. still waters do not run deep. I yeah. have a question though. Were you really a quiet kid? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. Stick you, got me. you got me. I'm making up for it now. That's why I'm so talky talky uh, okay. now. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I have all these words <laughs> built up behind the, the dam of loneliness that was there mm. before. But then when I reach a certain age, it just bursts through the dam and it, into an endless torrent of language. Right, Dan? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, sorry, I was just remembering the full of words. And I was thinking of the full of worms part of Roxanne. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you know, sometimes if I get bored in the middle of a flop house, I just start thinking about a Steve Martin movie. That I liked. Steve Martin's in Zeus and Roxanne? <laughs> yeah, he played the porpoise. <laughs> oh wow, it's great. Some, somebody, somebody saw the poster for Zeus and Roxanne, and they were like, "I love Steve Martin. I love Greek mythology. This is going to be great." And they were so disappointed in that movie. Oh, what a bummer! <laughs> so Evan's I mom. I love Greek mythology. I love the police. Gotta go see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Evan's mom finally meets Connor's family. They have a. They like have this organized dinner thing. 
and even though Evan kept, uh, he's been lying to his mom as well, but significantly le- like lazier. Like he has been kind of yeah. distracted while talking to her. <laughs> Um, there, yeah. There's a scene. There's a scene earlier where his mom is like, "Why didn't you tell me you had a friend and he died and you gave a speech and it was a big thing?" Like someone at work showed her the video, and it's like <laughs> they really are really separated from each other. Like they don't ever seem to be in the same room very often, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But so she's so, finally learning a lot about her son. And it gets pretty harsh because uh, Connor's family offers to help uh, Evan out with college money, and Julianne Moore's like, "Uh-uh, conversation over. I got my own money," and they bounce. Uh, and Evan is like, I don't know. Like he kind of just doubles down on being shitty. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a part, this, this part felt a little real to me at least because I feel like a teen boy would fail to see the complicated emotions in a moment of a rich family saying to your mom, don't worry, we'll pay for college for your son. Like, like I totally get that a teen kid would only be able to look at it from their own point of view and not see how that's difficult for his mom. But, but it's, it's, I don't remember there being any like payoff to that other than that they're just mad at each other for the scene and then it just goes back to to evan's parade of lies with everybody Mm -hmm. else you know (laughs) meanwhile alana uh is starting to find the cracks in evan's story Mm -hmm. uh she flat out asks him if he's lying and then he of course doubles down again by uh emailing her the original dear evan hansen letter before the public had only seen the phony emails now he sent the actual letter which he didn't have to, he could have just shown her on his phone. Like he didn't need to yeah. do this paper trail yeah. because that gets worse because she is nervous that the, uh, the fundraising for the charity is not going well enough. So she, and th- this charity is to rebuild the orchard that, that Connor supposedly <laughs> that loved. That was Connor's favorite place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Connor's favorite <laughs> Something place. Something we should all feel pretty, pretty strongly about. Uh, and then she, so she posts the letter on Instagram we then see our characters at a party where everybody is very eagerly looking at Instagram. Like everyone's got notifications set up for Connor-related material. Like, because it instantly goes to everyone's phone. Like the speed of our, I mean, movie, things go viral in movies so much faster than they do in real life because I feel like it goes, it, things move quickly, they go viral. But I've never yeah. been in a room with in, at a party and suddenly everyone's looking at their phone and getting the news all at once or something like that. It's- and and so rarely is the news relevant. You know, I have a Google <laughs> yeah. alert set up for Flophouse podcast and it's usually something like, the house flip-flops on this piece of legislation. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, disappointed again. Dan's like, I'm going to keep scrolling. They might mention me. <laughs> but uh, this, this seeing this letter... Um, gets everyone mad at the parents, which was something I didn't understand for a while. I mean, later, like, I, I granted, I wasn't paying the closest attention. Like, later, I guess uh, it comes out <laughs> Why like, would something you? in the letter where he refers to his own dad and mom that then, like, it's, they think they're saying that Connor's dad and mom were bad. Well, we don't, I don't think we see, like, the full text of the letter earlier. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, there is, there like, is something in there about his parents not understanding him or something. Right. And that, and, and yeah, I think people latch onto that as it must be their fault that he's, that he did this to himself. Right. But it, it does Which seem is, like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's strange because unless it was like, a letter where he's like, I don't know, the parents were abusing me or something really horrible. Like one would assume, and I don't want to sound insensitive saying this, but I'm just, I feel like one would assume that a troubled teen in their letter would blame their parents for 
things. And I don't mm-hmm. know. I wouldn't necessarily see that and assume like, oh, these must be horrible parents. I would seem like this, you know, this person was in a lot of pain, like they to were dealing with a, a lot of stuff. I think to play devil's advocate, uh, yeah. which means I'm now Keanu Reeves. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> You're Al Pacino like, in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's very loud. The, so to play devil's advocate, I th- the internet does, I mean, there is right now at least, I don't know when this movie was made, if it was that way as yeah. much, but there is this feeling that anything that gets posted on the internet cannot be taken at face value and is a mystery to be unraveled. Yes. And so you've got to look like, for, there was that video recently where the 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 girl uh, surprised her boyfriend at college and it took him a second to realize that she was there. And people were like, I can tell from all the clues in this video that he is a monster. He's a sociopath. Like I could see just yeah. because the, the internet yeah. is so uniquely corrosive that people would do that, I guess. I don't know. But it's not really earned yeah. in the movie. Well, you know, the it's thing, like, it, the thing it, that's in wild real to life, I would totally that, buy it. But in a movie, I expect more. You know, and for me, it's it's what like what really would have happened is people would have turned on Evan Hansen and this family the first day or so. <laughs> like yeah, there would true. always be like that's how it works. That's how the cycle works. There will be people. I mean, you know, the the first hundred comments on the video of his speech would be like, "Eat a dick, you suck," <laughs> like that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the cycle doesn't take that long. It, it go, it's almost instant, you know. So the internet's terrible. So the family <laughs> starts to get some serious heat. They are not loving it, uh, and that actually starts to not serious heat in a bad way. Not serious heat like Hollywood's <laughs> calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we got to make a that, musical of this. That would yeah, be yeah. a twist. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the family starts to crack apart under the pressure. Uh, it, you know, it's it's brought up that uh, one of the changes from the stage show is that the father, Connor's father, is actually a stepfather in this, and there's a uh, that that provides some additional, like an additional seam to split apart where they, uh, where Amy Adams brings up that maybe Larry wasn't as supportive of Connor because, uh, you know, he's not his biological father. Evan is watching all all this happen, and he's starting to feel real bad. So you know what he does? He makes it about him. He's like, "Hey guys, I was just lying. I was just lying. Feel better now. It's cool. I was lying. You don't, well, need, you don't need to don't feel bad no more." It about him, he's, he's as like, so much as taking responsibility. He's like, "Guys, let me level with you. This was a goof. <laughs> this is all a good goof." I mean, I feel, I feel like he, I don't think that's necessarily him taking responsibility. I think that's him trying to. Uh, that's him trying to uh, evade conflict. Like he is trying to make them yes. feel better by like, he is not trying to, he, I mean, it's not a, it's not like his courageous move. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'm not giving him any credit. I'm just saying that I think at this point he sees like, okay, my actions have had negative consequences in a way that I should have been able to anticipate, but didn't. And so I have to do something to avoid this family from like eating itself. And, but the thing is like, this is all done. And like, wait, Dan, are you all, saying you wouldn't watch a movie called the family that eats itself? I would love that movie. But like the, 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 the funny, the thing to me for this scene was like, this is all done. This like long shot on Evan Hansen again, singing to this family as they're at this table. And then like, it's all on him. And then they do a cut back to the family in stunned silence. And I was like, anything that was moving about that has been taken away because it is such a comedy cut to like yeah. go back to all of them like 
Just it's staring a, in it's it. a real record scratch of an edit. Yeah. <laughs> and so, of course, it doesn't go well. The family want him out of there. The next day at school, he runs into Zoe, and he's like, why didn't you guys post about it? And she's like, yeah, we didn't want to <laughs> deal with it. Like, it's not about you, dude. Well, and she, and she, she, says, she says, my mom doesn't want the truth to come out because she's worried that if you get blamed for this, you're going to hurt yourself. Like so, his mom yeah. is does not want the cycle to continue. Uh, so they're willing they're willing to be the the villains of the world on the internet if it means that the the noble and and uh, and precious Evan is okay, which is <laughs> which is one of those like that that decision adds complexity to the to Amy Adams' character. Mm. I feel like in a in a big way, yeah. but it, it's really like it, but it also feels like. Um, the movie is in many ways set up to get Evan off the hook as much as possible and keep yeah. him from 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 facing consequences about what happened. And that is one of those moments, you know. And then Evan's at home. He finally talks to his mom about it. His mom he explains that he didn't hurt his arm uh, as an accident. It was uh, a failed uh, a failed suicide attempt. Uh, and then his mom sings him a song uh, to make him feel better. And then he, Evan, I, I want go on. I just want to pause because I, you know, I do like to highlight when like the movies work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just so I'm not a jerk all the time. Uh, <laughs> Only ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> Julianne, I think Julianne Moore, obviously a wonderful actor, and you know she has this one song here, and it's one of the parts of the film I found genuinely moving. Mm-hmm. Her singing yeah. her song about how she'll always be there for him and like giving him comfort when he's, you know, admitted to finally, not just to the bad things he's done, but also how lost he had felt that she didn't know. Uh, and I, I, you know, she's very strong, I think in a movie that doesn't deserve her. Mm. And she's not in it much. Like she's, she makes a fair amount out of a small role. Yeah, I mean, Julianne yeah. Moore is, I think, is by far the best performance in the movie. And maybe it's just because it is in those small portions. But, like, she's playing her character so much more real than anyone else is playing their character. Like, Amy Adams' mm-hmm. character is, like, kind of a, is so, is so um, in denial kind of blank that yeah. it get it becomes almost, like, a inhuman at times. And mm-hmm. Evan Hansen, we talked about what the issues are with that. But I think, like... Um, but Julian Moore, I feel like when she's on screen, it's like, oh, I'm seeing like a real person who's interacting with like, with characters, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that song is, I've, I've, I will admit that that song that I felt really touched by at first, and then it goes on for a very long time. Like all the songs in the movie are <laughs> incredibly long. Too long. And, but like yeah. the, this message of like, there's nothing you can do that will stop me, that where I won't be on your side. And, you know, you have to, and you know, I had no idea and, I, and I'm sorry about it, but and all that stuff. Like that was... It was like, oh, this, there's some, like, real emotions in this as opposed to, like, yeah. some of the, like, teen melodrama emotions, you know, which are real feelings that people have. But when you have someone blasting them out at at musical theater opera level, it comes mm-hmm. off as, uh, like, you know, false, you know, in my opinion. So Evan takes this, uh, this inspiration. He immediately goes on Instagram and posts that it was all his fault. Uh, and then... <laughs> And then he uh, hmm. then he tries to learn as much about Connor as he can by cyber stalking him creepy. like a fucking psycho. <laughs> creepy, still creepy. Didn't learn anything. Yeah, and through his internet Scooby Doo work, he <laughs> finds a video of Connor uh, playing guitar, which he then shares with uh, the family. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and they, you know, they're touched by it because they didn't have, uh, they had very few uh, positive memories of their dead son. Yeah, and he never would play songs for him. This was another thing that I found moving, not because of the movie, but uh, because of the goosebumps thing that Elliot has talked about. Like, if this was a situation in real life, I would find it moving. So <laughs> yeah. I, I mapped that onto yeah. the film. Although that's, I did wonder, that's all like, you can do sometimes. Yeah, who who in this group therapy was filming him play this song? That was seems like a breach of. Uh, yeah, I feel like if you can't of AA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't usually record it for your archives, the like group therapy <laughs> yeah. sessions at rehab. But to, I mean, I mean, I, I can only assume I, I, based I, on on other behavior in this film was that Connor was fucking up real bad, and some shithead was like, "This is going to be hilarious for me to put this." Uh, yeah. <laughs> this fail, inadvertently played fail. a beautiful song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This guy was. This guy got to group <laughs> therapy, and you won't believe what he did next. <laughs> 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 but I, I, I feel like that there's so much this movie is asking me to buy into that I can't buy into. But the idea that someone would have been like, "Hey, can I record the song?" and he'd be like, "Okay," like I can buy, I can believe that. You <laughs> yeah. know? I'll buy that. Therapy fails. So then, flash as forward opposed, as opposed to everyone, everyone in the world deciding they need to donate money in a, in a high school kid's name to to rebuild an or, an, uh, a, an orchard, <laughs> which is like, they're like, we need to create the Connor Project. The Connor Project is going to be a beacon of hope for everyone who's depressed out there. Orchards. That's where it's in. Yeah, this. people need, need one <laughs> local orchard. We don't need to, you know, work on suicide prevention or mental health issues. We'll just make an orchard. <laughs> we just got to get an orchard together. This place you that need enough apples uh, together. That, <laughs> If and we can make an like, orchard out of leaves, uh, I brought it back. <laughs> yeah, every nice one, nice work. Everyone's <laughs> like, it was Connor's favorite place, and most of that seems to be based off of Evan's story. So I don't yeah. know, like the family went and had picnics there, but we don't really know that Connor really liked it very much. Nope. If anything, if he's anything like my kids, he hates to go outdoors and go places <laughs> with his family. So mm-hmm. it's they're like it was Connor's favorite place, and I'm always like, based on what? I don't understand. <laughs> Nothing yeah. about his character diamond as <laughs> as laid out in this film includes loves orchards. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the orchard, uh, our final scene, we have uh, we have Evan Hansen and Zoe walking around in that orchard. Uh, they're talking a little bit about their future, what they're going to do next. Uh, and Zoe says some wild shit about how she wishes she'd met him now after he'd gone through all this character building. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Oh, I don't think so he's learned bad. anything. So bad. And then the movie's <laughs> over. Well, this is his big line. They're like, how are you going to atone for all this? And he's like, I think I'm going to take a year off from college and get a job. It's <laughs> like, take a gap year. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have a gap year. Probably travel around Europe, go to clubs. Really? Is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So oh, that's guys. it. Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, Dear Evan Hansen. Evan writes another letter to himself, right? Does he write a letter to himself? I don't remember that. Yeah, I believe at the very at the very end he writes another letter to himself. And it's like yes. all the things that he was fake saying to himself at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now he's oh, really yeah, I mean, saying it. Today is gonna be a good day because he's been through the the crucible that was lying to everybody and mostly getting away with it. <laughs> Let's roll straight into final judgment. Was this Dear Evan Hansen or Dear Evan Hansen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to top that. I mean, let's just. I, this is, for me, this was a, a bad, bad movie that was like almost made worse by like a few moments that genuinely affected me because I'm like, oh, okay, well, that just throws the rest into sharp relief how like terrible some of this is. And like, look, I. 
I I don't want to take anything away from anyone who found something meaningful in this. Like this is obviously my own opinion, and this is like going. This is dealing with a lot of heavy stuff, but I expect more if it's dealing with a lot of heavy stuff. I feel like there's a higher degree of difficulty to make it uh, justified, and the movie, at least, uh, I've not seen the show, like, just ladled it on so thick and did not seem to truly be able to grapple with (laughs) the, the conundrums that it set up for itself in a way that just made me, like deeply uncomfortable for most of the runtime. So I didn't like it. But w- what do you guys have to say? Elliot, maybe you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it felt like uh I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't think it was very good. And it, much much like uh when we when we saw the Dark Tower movie, I was like this really makes me want to go back and read the books so I know what was so interesting about them that someone wanted to go to the trouble of making this very mediocre movie of mm-hmm. it that like that I, it kind of made me wish I had seen the play so I could see what was in it that was powerful, that was lost in translation mm-hmm. to film. Because watching it, it just felt like it felt like it was it was reaching for something really uh, emotional and failing to get there at almost every moment. You know, aside from the the one or two that we mentioned, and yeah, there's just a few baffling decisions in it. And I totally understand the like. I understand the motivation of like, this guy has an amazing performance on Broadway. We got to immortalize it on film so people can see it. But it doesn't always work out the best for film. And it was <laughs> yeah. just the, but it felt like at a certain point I was, I was like, I'm not sure what this movie is, is, I don't know what this movie is saying to me. It's the songs don't get to me. They're just not my kind of songs. They all sound the same. I don't like the characters. Um, and I don't know what I'm, I don't know what the messages that I'm supposed to be getting from this, even as someone who, should like I was saying earlier, should be sympathizing with the emotions this character is having, and should be like the the feeling of like being a teenager who feels lonely and lost and doesn't know how to reach out to people and and doesn't feel seen and doesn't feel like anyone recognizes the value in them, but also isn't quite sure what about themselves is valuable and doesn't know how to show that to people. Like that's all stuff that I felt. And but but while watching this, I was like, get out of here, come on, this is <laughs> I don't think so. Like it just it felt like um. Watching someone who and I and maybe the people who made this went through all that themselves, but it felt like watching someone who felt that like a when I was a kid and uh, a lot of the popular kids in school were all into Catcher in the Rye when we read it in class mm-hmm. and they were like this book really gets me and I was like no it doesn't this isn't like that's where we watched um we watched Harold and Maude in a class in high school and uh, and seeing the popular kids being like oh finally a movie that understands what an outcast I feel like and it was like no you aren't like it felt like a movie made by those people the people who like felt like they had been through it but weren't really through it you know but I shouldn't judge other people's emotions if they felt like outcasts then they were probably outcasts even though they were all football players and cheerleaders <laughs> but that's the thing everybody feels like an outcast mm-hmm. yeah I guess everyone feels like an outcast no more than than Big Boy and Andre 3000 and the, the ultimate <laughs> outcast but but the uh, that I, it, it felt like the movie just felt very shallow it felt shallow in a way that yeah. it was it felt it was deep but it was not and it was like um, the old anti-drug ad where the where the woman dives into the swimming pool and there's no water there like mm. that's what the, that's what watching this movie felt like in a lot of ways <laughs> but charlene you loved it right um well let me get my notes <laughs> oh wow we got to start from the beginning <laughs> um so yeah i felt like this movie deals with a lot of like important themes, you know, like growing up, feeling alone, feeling like no one understands you, um, you know, like 
he tried to commit suicide and, and nobody even cared. Like nobody came to find him and it should all be so touching. And then they wrapped it around this like horrible person of a character and some of my least favorite, um, like plot devices ever. Like I, I can't stand when the story is wrapped around. If you would just tell the truth, the story would be over. And this is yeah. like one of the worst representations of that I've ever seen. Um, and they treat it almost like a rom-com would treat that kind of thing. Like, oh, if he finds out that I'm the one that closed the factory, then he's never going to fall in love with me. And you're like, just tell him, <laughs> just tell him. But, but this is like so much worse than I wanna, that. I want to know about this factory closing. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's a good story. And it just, it made me, it made me so mad. And uh, so I, yeah, I did not like, I did not like the movie. I did not like the play. And I thought that if you took the songs out, um, some of the lyrics of the songs were really good. If you like wrapped these themes around a character that was deserving of, <laughs> of this kind of. So you're you know, saying that Julianne Moore should have given up on Evan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you're so Sorry, Evan, terrible. Give up son. on him. He's bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah. I mean, you you pointed this out. You suggested mm -hmm. this while we were watching the movie that like it feels like it was written by somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with friends. Like, like doesn't know how friends work. Well, that and, makes me feel like maybe the people who are working on it did know what those feelings are like, but they're trying to. They're like the problem is not that they don't know what that kind of depression is like and they're coming at it from the outside but they're so far inside that they don't know how how the story would actually work if it like happened the, in maybe person. like they didn't they yeah. don't understand the way like two high school boys would be friends because they didn't have fr i don't know um yeah that was a problem i had too charlene where it's like i mean i don't know audrey tried to convince me like oh you know if you don't know what friends are then like maybe this is your vision but i'm like i guess but his like like fantastic version of it like the version he confabulates is so strange and so unrecognizable to me as like how to like boys in high school would be friends that like yeah. I, I don't know it is all i mean everything about it is every, everything about that the scene where he's like singing about their friendship that the his friend who is gay is is making jokes about oh it sounds like your relationship is really gay and yeah. but it's like their relation, what he sings about, does sound like a love relationship. Like it doesn't yes. sound like he's like, yeah, we'd go sit and tell each other about all our fondest dreams, and then we're going to the amusement park together. And it was like, well, these are dates. Like you this is not. <laughs> yeah, like, you didn't do that with all your dudes. I mean, it's we did. I did go to amusement parks with friends for dudes. <laughs> Maybe you'd be a little more in line, Elliot. <laughs> okay, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. And when he's when he's singing the song to <laughs> Connor's sister about like these are the things that Connor felt for you, but what he's really singing about is romantic love. It, it's it's yeah, it feels like it's written by someone who is not who is having trouble understanding how those emotions play out. Yeah, that's a good point. So, guys, when I was younger, should I have gone to amusement parks more with my friends and told them all my fondest dreams? Probably. Yeah. Uh, of course. I mean, I think that in general, like if an amusement park is around, like it's it's a pretty good decision to go to an amusement park. But what point. if it's a haunted might, amusement park? You might park. find one of those wish machines where you could get big and then have sex with an old lady. Yeah. <laughs> you say oh, with God. an old lady? <laughs> or you can Stuart. You can do what I the point of that movie. <laughs> I mean, but she's also Stuart she's has also a bad little boy expression <laughs> on his face. Yeah. But did you say old lady Stuart? Because she was almost certainly younger than we are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a good point. 
You could do what I did as a kid and go to an amusement park with just your dad and have him like wave at you as you go by on those like Aww. motorcycle merry-go-round thing. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like that. a nice day out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds fun to me. So uh, you didn't give us final judgment, Charlene. Is this oh, wait, a good one, I, a bad wait, one, or I a yummy one, one? One more point. I yeah, felt did like you the love it or what? The, I, I like the it. moment where um, the girl that was the president of all the different teams, Alana. Alana, where she was like, you know, we all feel like that. You know, like like you're not the only one that that feels like they don't fit in or is depressed or like thinks high school is yeah. weird. And I believe that's a song that was written for the movie. Ah, I don't believe it's in the okay. show. Um, is no, I, I also like that moment when they're like, tr- and they were like saying like, "Oh, you know what? What antidepressants are you on?" Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the thing, the th- weird thing about it though is by inserting that sequence relatively early in the movie, that's the sort of that's the sort of revelation that a character like Evan Hansen would be like, "Oh, wait, everyone's a little bit like me," but it mm. ha- makes no effect on him yeah. because they're like, "Let's just stick this in the movie because it's." actually good and makes sense but it does not alter his behavior at all yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah i'm uh so i'm gonna say it's a bad bad movie uh i guess oh, yeah, if you love <laughs> musicals maybe give this one a look but i don't know i'm i'm not into it somewhere between science and superstition there is a podcast <laughs> Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. That thing is not my daughter. And I want you to tell me there's a show where the hosts don't just report on French science and spirituality, but take part themselves. Well, there is, and it's Ono, Ross, and Carrie on Maximum Fun. This year, we actually became certified exorcists. So yes, Carrie and I can help your daughter. Or we can just talk about it on the show. Oh no, Ross and Carrie on MaximumFun.org. I can't hear myself, but I'm assuming. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. uh, Hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like... Uh, right here, this one, Meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan, Jesse, Go. And it's free. Jordan, Jordan Jesse, Go? Jordan, Jesse, Go. Jordan, Jesse, Go. A real podcast. Okay, let's talk about our sponsors. I mean, like all the shows on Max Fun, we are primarily sponsored by listeners like you. Uh, and thank you for being a Max Fun member. If you are, if you're not, maybe look into it. There's a lot of great bonus content. But we also have a few uh, advertisers who are uh, kind enough to sponsor us. One of them is Green Chef. Uh, Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Uh, it's got fresh produce, premium proteins. And organic ingredients you can trust. Green Chef is uh, is uh, is playing it on the edge there. If I didn't have a nice uh, foam guard for my microphone, that 
premium proteins might have caused a lot of the popping, but mm-hmm. that's how confident they are in their proteins. They is this an you ad know. for your microphone guard? <laughs> Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. It's pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices get you more chef-curated flavor in less time. Green Chef's expert chefs curate every recipe so you can enjoy nutritious, restaurant-quality dishes at home without compromising on taste. I've uh, used Green Chef. I have to admit, I um, I like cooking a lot, and I can be a little snobby about this sort of thing and be like, oh, you know, the meal kit, I don't want to do that. It's, it's, it's actually very good food. It's very convenient to have something that you know you've got the ingredients for in your house. You don't have to run out at the last minute to get something. Um, even the, uh, lower calorie options are delicious. Uh, so go to greenchef.com slash flophouse 130 flophouse 130. That's the code and use code flophouse 130 to get 130 off. That's $130 off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash flophouse 130 and use code flophouse 130. Again, those are numerals at the end of flophouse <laughs> to get $130 off. Plus free shipping. So you're saying you're not spelling out the words one day. Yeah, yeah, that would be a lot for a for an offer code. Save yourself some keystrokes. Just do it as yeah. numbers. Mm-hmm. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Uh, we've uh, talked about BetterHelp a lot of times on this show because they've been sponsoring us. And this month, according to the copy that's been prepared for me, we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. Uh, there's a lot of people who think that. Uh, you should wait until you've got a really big problem that is throwing your life all out of whack before you go into therapy. But I find that is not the best way to use therapy. Therapy is something that you can use to keep yourself on balance uh, and keep you from getting to the point where you are desperately in trouble and need it. For instance, in the movie that we were talking about today, Dear Evan Hansen, it's mentioned many times in it that he is missing his therapy sessions. And I think that he might have been able to um, at least get to a better place if he was going to those therapy sessions rather than making up lies about uh, his classmates and presenting (laughs) himself as someone he's not. Uh, Now, perhaps the fact is that maybe his therapist wasn't a good match. That happens sometimes. You just got to keep trying. Look, that's the worst part of therapy for me uh, is having to find the therapist that I want. Uh, You have to try more than one often before you find one that really matches and who's right for you and that you can form that very special uh, relationship where you can feel vulnerable for them and really open yourself up for them. Uh, And BetterHelp might be able to help you do that. I find therapy to be an invaluable thing for me and many of the people that I know because if anything, it's good to have a space where you can just talk about yourself and be open about yourself and not worry about what the other person thinks because you're paying them to listen to you. Unlike this podcast where I talk about myself all the time and I can see my co-host getting noticeably annoyed by that. Uh, So BetterHelp is customized online therapy. It offers video, phone, or live chat sessions with a therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. That might help it, uh, might help you open up. Uh, I don't know. It depends on who the person are, who person you are is. It can be more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try. See why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. I would recommend some kind of therapy to just about anybody. BetterHelp may be the way that you find the therapist that is right for you. Uh, and unfortunately, you just have to keep trying to get uh, – if you don't find the right person, you try again because therapy is worth that search. It's like marriage in a way. 
Maybe the first one isn't going to work out, but eventually. So this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Flophouse listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp with BetterHelp.com slash flop. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash flop. Therapy. I recommend it. Wow. Elliot, banger of a lead-in for this jumbotron. That's right. Video stream your next live event with Entertainment Unlimited. We cover weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, comedy specials, corporate events, and much more across the northeastern United States. Using multiple robotic cameras, Entertainment Unlimited ensures your guests are not inconvenienced while also making sure your viewers at home never miss an important moment. To get a free quote, visit euavp.com. And if you use the code FLOP25, Flophouse listeners will receive an additional 25% off your first event. So visit euavp.com for event video live streaming services. Yeah, you can. That's easy to remember. You just remember European Union Alien versus Predator. (laughs) (laughs) It's a phrase I'm already thinking. I'm glad to finally have something it can go with. Uh Uh, Let's uh, do some letters from listeners. And by do, I mean I will read them Uh and then we'll talk about them. So there's nothing sexual about what we're going to do with the letters. (laughs) Yeah, nothing. I mean, the shape of an envelope is kind of sexual. I guess in that it. Opens? I don't know. <laughs> Let's not go not too the far way I down expected this. you to go, Dan. Not, not what I expected. <laughs> anyway, I guess what we're saying is, dear Flophouse, today is gonna be a great day, <laughs> or whatever they said in that dear Evan Hansen letter. <laughs> hey, dear Flophouse, you're writing this letter to yourself about all the things you want to hear in the letters today. I hope there's a letter about how much they like us. I hope there's a letter about riding a bike. I hope there's a lighter. <laughs> I hope there's a letter a about. I hope there's a lighter inside of the letter so I can light this cigar. Did I mention I'm into cigars now? That's right, I'm a cigar guy. Hanging out at cigar bars, reading that magazine about cigars. Everything cigars now on the Flophouse. Welcome to the Flophouse, a podcast about cigars. Until I lose interest. So, guys, should we make this a podcast about cigars? Cigar I'm not really into cigars, the but I, I, could get, I could get into cigars if we need to. Yeah. I feel like that would be pretty cool. I've needed a reason to be in the same room as Alec Baldwin and Rudy Giuliani, so cigars are it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought you said Moody Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's, that what, that's right. what they say when he's being a grump around the office. They go more like Moody Giuliani. <laughs> and by office, I mean jail cell he'll be in. At some oh, point. hell yeah. <laughs> Playing the hits there. What boom, are you, boom, Colbert boom, over boom, here? boom. <laughs> you know what? That's a perfect uh, lead into this letter, which is Hi, Peaches. Movies are inextricably linked to the politics in the time and place they're made. With the collapse of democracy in the U.S. about four to six years away, due to one party having a longing for a time that never existed and willingness to say anything to get the votes of the unaccountably large number of people with no empathy or understanding of consequences, and the other party being completely inept and confused about how government works. What do you think movies will look like in 10 years? Are Kevin James and Mark Wahlberg on every screen? Do war movies take over the space that superheroes currently hold? Is there a strong reaction that grows a a larger and more vibrant art house scene? Is there any chance that a movie could have a bikini car wash or castle freak in them? Jim, willing to trade last name for asylum. I mean, there's always a chance. 
I, I, I enter <laughs> into answer, every Dan. movie <laughs> thinking could be a bikini car wash or a castle freak. In one yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to You're stay like, on base. <laughs> Mm, Jackie, starring Natalie Portman as Jacqueline Kennedy. Yeah, could be a bikini car wash in this. Mm, the Hours. Yeah, they're probably Virginia Woolf has a bikini car wash in this movie at some point. Yeah, yeah. The, lighthouse, wash all those the lighthouse car wash. <laughs> the waves are the waves of the car wash. Uh, so here's the, I think, ironically, the movies that are big right now, superhero movies and science fiction disaster dystopia and epics and things like that, are the perfect ones for the time we're living in right now. Yeah. When people have a real black and white understanding of the world and morality and every single day is a battle between good and evil and so many people want to believe that there's a hidden world beneath our own that is the true reality blah 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 mm -hmm. blah so my guess is that in the future the movies will actually probably have less to do with politics and more to do with the way that the streaming and theatrical models are are built economically so it's not as interesting as it would seem but oh, uh yeah it's gonna no, be it's much. True. It's gonna be much more about what movies will uh, people b subscribe to streaming services to get access to uh, than about what's going on in politics. But I'm sure the content will, in some way, reflect it. Yeah, in so much as there will be politics in the movies, uh, perhaps because of the um, uh, liberal bent to many creatives, it will become more and more uh, Adam McKay style str str strident. Uh, <laughs> satires that uh, are basically making the subtext text. Uh, satires that are meant for people who already agree with the message that the movie is presenting. Um, yeah. But I, you, I mean, it's it's the thing is, unless you live in a uh, that even though even though so many creators have a liberal bent, uh, movie the people who put the the money to make movies have a capitalist bent, so they're going to do whatever mm -hmm. yeah. whatever they think they can make money on. And but I think that. I would be surprised if it turned into like um, – if we turned in, I you know, it could happen. I'd be surprised if we turned into a country where like all the movies have to uh, have to support whatever the government is saying at that moment, even if democracy falls apart further. But at a certain point, it's just – there is just whatever speaks to people that can make money at the moment in which they can uh, sell merchandise for. So who knows what that will be. Probably some – it'll probably – you know what? Here's what it, here's the cycle we're going to be in. Okay. Because our generation has proved that you cannot let go of anything in your childhood and uh -huh. you just make it. In 10 years, there's going to be like a Ben 10 movie and like a Blue's Clues movie. And that's the kind of stuff. The yeah. generation that watched that is now going to have disposable income probably. Uh, and they'll and they'll want to see stuff that's gritty reboots of, of a, their childhood. A deepening things. of like IP stranglehold over, over the arts. Yeah, um, until the last IP left – is Uncle Ben from the Uncle Ben's Rice, uh -huh. and they try to make a movie out of him, and it fails, and they have to they they and then Hollywood collapses, and everyone wanders, uh, their eyes hurting from the glare of the sun of original ideas as they wander into a wasteland in which only original ideas exist, and they have to reinvent the world again and find out what what is an idea that nobody's ever thought of before. You know, uh, now is the Uncle Ben Rice movie also a Spider-Man movie? Is that a <laughs> it crossover? doesn't start out as one, but it will cross over when it, it, gets, to. When it comes to Uncle okay. Ben across the Rice verse when uh, he's <laughs> and the Uncle Ben from Spider-Man. Sure, you got wild rice <laughs> and basmati yeah. exactly, and yeah. arborio and. Uh, <laughs> Long grain and short grain all together and in that, one. And that crazy film. wild rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. gonna be risotto Ben. Yeah, it's it's that, that it'll <laughs> be all, all the different bands <laughs> from the rice. different rice universes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds, sounds really good. exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like I, I you know the fear is that uh, that 
it's just going to get more and more commercial and that the interesting small movies are going to continue to get pushed to the margins and budgets are going to be smaller. But who knows? Maybe streaming services will help support our, our auteur cinema. Yeah, I mean, there was also – there was a time when – when movie theaters had, you know, had kind of hot and cold running westerns and TV screens had hot and cold running westerns and that was crowding out a lot of other stuff and it all goes through cycles. I was wrong though. I said the last IP would be Uncle Ben. The last IP would actually be Ready Kilowatt, the electricity mascot. That's the last <laughs> character that will be adapted based on IP. We were, we were playing we were playing Monopoly yesterday and, and Sam and my older son, he goes, has there ever been a Monopoly movie? And I was like, Sammy, therein lies a tale. A tale of <laughs> generations of development executives trying to develop a Monopoly movie. <laughs> so funny. Oh, I want to hear this tale. Well, I mean, basically uh, that they've been trying to make a Monopoly movie. And like Ridley Scott was going to direct it at one point. <laughs> what? Yeah. Is that... <laughs> Yeah, that's why he made that Getty movie instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can't make. I'll just take the the script for the Monopoly movie <laughs> instead of being Rich Uncle Penny Banks. It'll be J. Paul Getty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, here's uh, our our other letter for the episode. Um, it is from first name withheld craft, like the mac and cheese. Okay. Um, dear Flophouse, on a girl's getaway, I met a woman who I nicknamed Gone Girl due to her exceptional resemblance to Rosamund Pike. Because she had faked her own death and gone on the, <laughs> gone on the run under an assumed identity. Upon telling my husband about this, he asked, did she cut a dude's dig off too? My jaw dropped as I realized my husband was following the mistaken footsteps of Stuart Wellington. I suggested <laughs> what? he was thinking of the scene in Gone Girl wherein, spoiler alert, Neil Patrick Harris gets his throat slit and we also happen to see his ding-dong. This leads me to believe there exists a phenomenon where, presented with a scene that includes ding-dongs along with blood or gore, oh. men will form a false memory of oh, violence enacted upon said ding-dong. A ding-dong-della effect, if you will. <laughs> I won't research, <laughs> research paper and peer review forthcoming. I think you've already been asked about false memories of movies, so as an artist tired of being asked about NFTs, I'll ask, what will the Flophouse release as its first NFT? Wow, I thought Dear Evan Hansen would receive the majority of my ire, but now it's going to be NF fucking T's. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all on the same page of not wanting to ever be involved with NFTs, right? Yeah, I want everything to be as fungible as possible. I was going to say the same thing. I think all I your like tokens fungible. need to be fungible. I, I have a real <laughs> issue with how, and I and maybe this is me being a Philistine, I don't know, I feel like I have an appreciation of art that people are like, this is the art of the future. And it's like really like a shitty cartoon of a monkey smoking a doobie is like, <laughs> like that's the art of the future. Like I've yet to see an NFT that was not just like, a piece of crap. So, and, and, so, and pile, is that, I've seen, pile that on the fact, on top of the fact that it's bad for the environment. Like, I'd rather not get involved. Or the number of artists I've seen who have had to take down their public art uh, pages because they keep getting notified that some asswipe is turning their artwork into NFTs. Yeah, like it's, it sucks. It's, it's the worst. The the promise of blockchain based technologies was supposed to be right that like you'd always have a chain of authorship, so. You wouldn't need to keep a ledger, and you wouldn't have things stolen. But all I hear about is people getting their bitcoins and their art stolen. Mm -hmm. So I don't. I don't. Or like it seems accidentally like accidentally throwing them away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's like it's one of those. It's like one of those things where the government builds a dam to provide water, and it makes the river dry up. And they're like, "What well, do we got to bring in water from another <laughs> river?" Like, it's uh, seems like it's. So I guess our, our NFT would probably be like uh, probably the house cat with sunglasses. Yeah, probably yeah. it'd be the, it'd be <laughs> a really cool house cat drawing. 
like Dan, roller skating been, or whatever. Dan, you've got a real collector's impulse. Have you ever felt the urge to jump into the NFT market and collect links to images that you supposedly own? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not. I, I will admit that uh, my collector's uh, impulse usually extends mostly to tangible things, <laughs> things that I can touch and have. So... Uh, anyway. I just every time I've, I see a thing where it's like new NFT is dropping, new FT, NFT is dropping, and it's always like, okay, here's like a skull with a Nazi hat on. I don't really, and it's <laughs> drawn poorly. Like I don't need that. This is not a thing I want to spend any money, let alone thousands of dollars on. Wow, you, know? you guys mentioned the thing about sex workers and NFTs before. I mean, we haven't talked about uh, it on the show. Uh, well, basically, if sex workers aren't taking it as payment, it's not legitimate enough for me. <laughs> yeah, and mm, I think that's fair. That's yeah. <laughs> But would Good you, point. Dan, would you buy NFT pornography? <laughs> <laughs> Just so I could know that I was the only one getting aroused <laughs> to this particular image. Now you have a point. I guess there's something special yeah. about that. I mean, I, I, I have yet to <laughs> the see The ultimate it. hedonism. <laughs> I, no one has been able to explain to me how NFTs are different than pogs. Which thirty years ago, people just shoved whatever picture they could find onto a pog and sold it, and people were buying it for a lot of money. Like, but, but they're the, the pogs of the twenty second century. The twenty second century. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm putting us ahead. Wow, amazing. We're that much closer yeah. to the Duck Dodgers era. Era. That's yeah, great. Man. But yeah, so I, that's that's what you you quote me on it. NFT is the pogs of the twenty second century. I guess I guess quote Dan on it, but I would say twenty first century. But you know. <laughs> Uh, it's the future. I get it. <laughs> yeah, hey, I know you don't want. I know you don't. Futuristic. I know you don't want this picture of Spawn. But what if we put it on a cardboard disc? Yeah, give it to me. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> a pog? Definitely, I'll take it. I remember. I remember as a kid buying pogs and being like, I guess I'm supposed to buy these now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I kind of feel the the way I I felt about pogs. I kind of feel about uh, Funko Pop stuff, and I know that kind of makes me a little like a little grumpus. But, like, it's the same sort of thing where I'm like, I don't need this in my life. I don't need a little statue. No, I, <laughs> well, the, I, well have, I have so many ways to enjoy the things that I like that I don't need. I don't need to own every single way of enjoying the things yeah, I like. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, you know, if, if that's your thing if and you've made a commitment to, like, this will be my thing. Like, that's one thing. I, I can understand being like, oh, I enjoy this character. I'll have it in, like, an action figure form. But as, yeah, as a man in his fourth decade of life who has acquired a bunch of like bullshit like <laughs> i don't need to have well, there's, there's something i i Doctor I, who. I really admire like and in some ways envy that sort of that's kind of it's like a it's a it's a very straightforward way of interacting with the world we're like yeah. stuff I want put on my shelf done like it's and I wish that I, I wish that I could interact with the world that straightforwardly sometimes but I guess you know what it reminds it reminds <laughs> me a little bit of a uh, of a uh, the my feelings about like Star Wars burlesque shows <laughs> Where it's like, mm-hmm. look, I love Star Wars. I love women taking their clothes off. I've never felt the need to combine these two pleasures. <laughs> like I don't feel like one is not it, one is not reinforcing or heightening the other by bringing them together. You don't feel yeah. like they were both created. It's a confusion separately. of the two flavors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not it's like I don't need I don't need to I don't need to bring sexual arousal and like I love these aliens. <laughs> that alien looks neat into the same into the same moment, you know. It's not a Venn diagram that I need to be living in, I guess. <laughs> you made a good point that I didn't it didn't occur to me that maybe NFTs are collectibles that you don't need to have the space for. Oh, I think that's uh, a big part of it. Well. It's a big part of it. Well, th- th- there's a 
I was reading a thing where they're talking about we're getting way into more into NFTs than I've, than we probably need to do. But <laughs> that, that like a where you think we're talking about the idea that this was somebody trying to push NFTs as a positive, saying on the online in the physical world there are many ways to show your status: your shoes, mm-hmm. your car, your clothes, mm-hmm. your house. But in the digital world. It's unlimited resources, essentially. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to show your status off. But with NFTs and their artificial scarcity, you can finally show people oh. online how cool <laughs> you are and how much money you are by wasting it. And it's like, I don't know, that doesn't seem like a, that seems like a negative <laughs> not, more than a positive. Not by you your know. picture on the top of a mountain from your dating mm-hmm. app. <laughs> yep. No, Charlene's like already planning it. her dating profile where she goes to the top of a mountain to get her picture taken. <laughs> Under bio, it would say, no, nerds do not apply. <laughs> but the, the idea like that the internet was sold to us is like, here's a world where anyone can be whatever they want to be and we're all equal. Psych, sometimes we buy stupid, ugly pictures and it shows that we have more money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, what was that? What's that fucking movie? Uh, Ready Player One. It's that kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, when is Player Two finally going to get their chance? <laughs> I think they've made a movie. They made that book, uh, and by they, I mean the, book, the author. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what about Player Three? I assume it's the old X Men arcade game where like six people could play at the same time. I thought it was four, like the Ninja Turtles game. Oh, possible. Dan, which one is it? Well, I mean, but then you wouldn't have to wait. It's a it's a cooperative. That's true. It's a cooperative game. You can all play at the same time. Oh yeah. wow, our our, the- our theories are falling apart like yeah. a house of cards. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe NFTs are great. Okay, let's move on <laughs> to the next segment. <laughs> The next segment is recommendations of movies that we liked. Do you think they wait a second? Do you think they they named the show House of Cards predicting that Kevin Spacey was going to get called out so that it would fall apart like its name? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Oh wow! Yeah, I think that's that's probably what happened. (sighs) File that away with the uh, Bobcats theory. Uh, recommendations, movies that we liked, that we saw recently, or, you know, you don't have to see it recently, just something you can recommend. I saw... <laughs> thanks for listening to the rules a little bit. <laughs> Judge yeah, yeah. Dan. Judge yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting me off the take, leash. <laughs> I'm going to take my sad tie off. Uh, I saw at probably the last possible moment that I, as a, as a triple vaccinated guy, felt comfortable seeing something in the theater... Uh, before <laughs> sort of quarantining again, I saw Nightmare Alley, which I mentioned earlier in the episode, and <laughs> that was a little bit of that was an Easter egg for people who waited till the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it had the misfortune to be a movie released during uh, Omicron that was not Spider Man, uh, and thus people have not been seeing it. And I just, I wouldn't recommend you risking your life uh, to go out right now, but. Um, but I did enjoy it, Nightmare Alley. Uh, Guillermo del Toro doing a film without uh, a supernatural element, but still sort of a harrowing in its own way. A remake, uh, well, not a remake of a film so much as it's another adaptation of the novel Nightmare Alley. Uh, a, a noir story about a uh, man who works in a circus sideshow and uh, a lot of noiry things that uh, follow from there. It is a little too glossy for the genre, I would say. Like the Guillermo del Toro has his sort of thing where, like, it all looks very beautiful. It all looks like sort of painted covers to a pulp novel. 
and with the CD story, it kind of keeps you at a distance. It's the, the, like it's a little too polished, but it is still really great. Um, the performers are all good in it. I particularly, I think, liked Willem Dafoe as a sort of totally amoral carny. Um, and, uh, you know, if you like this kind of thing, it it, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, ha- I had the fear that it would feel too much like he was just playing in a genre rather than like deeply feeling it. It only had a little bit of that. It was it was it was a good, fun uh, movie. Nightmare Alley. Charlene, you got one? I got one. Um, I recently saw a little movie called House of Gucci. And I'm not making fun of Italian accents. I'm making fun of actors portraying Italian accents. <laughs> um, it was a based on a true story about um, a couple. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, now I have to remember the plot of a the movie. A Gucci couple? You don't have to remember it too well. You uh, can just say what you liked about I mean, it. Um, yeah, just say that you like. You don't have to do a whole episode of um, it. Oh, good. I loved the outfits and the hair. Uh-huh. I loved um, the two actors portraying Al Pacino, <laughs> Al Pacino and Jared Leto. <laughs> and um, I thought Lady Gaga did an amazing job. Was that an authentic... Italian accent? No. Was it the exact accent that I needed it to be? Yes. It was perfect. Mm. And go go see it, or if you're not going, then um, well, I guess it's not available yet, right? It'll probably be available. It'll be available soon, long. I'm sure. So yeah. I, I thought it was hilarious, and probably I didn't feel about it the way the makers of the film wanted me to feel about it, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Mm. Oh, Suguchi. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to recommend uh, a movie uh, that I saw as a screener. I don't know if it's available for watching anywhere. It's a movie called The Worst Person in the World. Uh, it's a Norwegian movie about a, uh, a millennial woman, and it just kind of follows her for a couple of years of her life um, and mainly focuses on a <clears throat> mainly focuses on a relationship a key relationship she has and it, the movie manages to like perfectly capture uh, a lot of my feelings about getting older, about relationships, about, um, about a lot about art, about nostalgia. And it's this beautiful, relatable, funny, sad movie that just fucking wrecked me. Uh, so if you get a chance, uh, you should totally check out the worst person in the world. And that's also a callback to earlier in the show because there's a lot of talk about a cartoon character named Bobcat and how he's been neutered by removing his butthole. So if you get a chance, check out Worst Person in the World. (laughs) It's great. By removing his butthole? (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's about an underground cartoon character who basically gets Disney-fied. And I would say the least believable thing about the the movie is about how uh, clean and nice the apartment of a 40-year-old underground cartoonist's uh, apartment is. (laughs) All right. So it's a metaphorical neuter. Yeah, metaphor. Because you don't neuter a cat by removing its butthole. That would <laughs> you no, don't. That would be. <laughs> uh oh. 
Don't remove a cat's as, butthole. This but. would explain <laughs> the lawsuits against my vet office. <laughs> as an owner of cats, they are very proud of their buttholes and would be really they, upset to yeah. have them removed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why they added them to catch the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elliot. You're the last one. Take us home. Finally, the last one. I'm going to recommend a movie that I think Dan is going to love based on the title, but which uh, the title is a little misleading. This is a uh, British television play from the 60s called The Year of the Sex Olympics, which Mm -hmm. is set in uh, the future uh, when uh, it's kind of a very 1984-type story. There's two types of people in society. There's high drives who are allowed to – have careers and have sex and enjoy the good life and low drives, which are the mass of people who are kept from overpopulating through television control. Basically, they realize that if you air things on television for them to watch, it takes away the motivation to actually do it. So they're running something called the Sex Olympics, which is this which is this campaign that is involved a show called Sports Sex and a show called Art Sex, which are meant for people to watch it and then not do it, basically, uh, in order to keep the population down. Uh, and one of the people involved in the programming, he starts to doubt the situation that he's in and he wants to escape from this world. So he agrees to be the star of a new show called the live life show where, or the live life show, the live life show where he and his family are going to go live on a windswept aisle kind of as people did hundreds of years before this society came about. And a lot of people talk about how it basically, Pre, uh, predicted reality television in a lot of ways. But even beyond that, uh, I thought it did a really good job of kind of interrogating why we watch stories to begin with. There's this idea in it that you and the characters speak in this very futury language where they're missing words where it's half futuristic and half caveman. But basically like you see an emotion, you feel the emotion, but you don't feel the bad parts of the emotion and you laugh and feel better. And kind of the idea that – and it kind of digs into the idea for me about how even when we're watching fictional characters, we are getting a sort of pleasure from watching them go through bad things, partly through the relief of us not being the one going through it. But we're able to vicariously feel those emotions. And in the movie, they're asking kind of what responsibility do people have for each other. But it made me think about what responsibility do we have to our characters and stories that we're telling, you know, not to be Mm -hmm. cavalier with them, things like that. But uh, it's – unfortunately, it was originally broadcast in color, but all that exists is a black and white version of it, but it still looks really neat and I thought it was really good. It's available on YouTube in its entirety, but I think it's also on DVD. And a very young Brian Cox is in it as oh, the, yeah. the kind of meanest and uh, and jerkiest of the programmers of these TV programs. Um, but the other performers were all real good. It's written by Nigel Neal, who's best known for stuff like The Stone Tape, kind of like Supernatural stories that were on British television. This is not supernatural, but, you know, it's a 1984 dystopia type thing, and I thought it was really good. It's called The Year of the Sex Olympics. Ask for it by name at your local <laughs> Sex Olympics store. Sounds great. Sounds like you made it up, Elliot. I feel like I'd be embarrassed to ask for it by name. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a blast. We talked about a heavy movie that was not very much fun, uh, but I had fun no. getting to talk to you guys about it. I know it's the day after Christmas, so that's a, a holiday that Dan and I celebrate. Uh, Elliot and Charlene mm-hmm. being Jewish, I know that isn't as big of a deal for you. Uh, not a big deal at all. It's not <laughs> the idea that like I'm Jewish, so I'm only like I only celebrate half a Christmas. You know, and my my day yesterday was a was a frantic search for things to do when it was one of our rare rainstorms in LA and nothing was open anywhere. Mm-hmm. So even like the Chinese restaurants have started closing on Christmas. Oh. This is 
this is not a tenable situation, no. everybody. There well, is no I'm, way we are going to make dinner on Christmas. We're going to have Chinese food. We got to find it. Yeah. So. I'm sorry that the birth of my Messiah put you out, Elliot. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it is a huge inconvenience. And is. I got to believe yeah. that when God set it all up, he was like, teehee, let's see Elliot deal with this one in 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I He's hope a you trickster. Guys, but I hope you guys did have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you uh, will have a better day. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, I am already. I mean, a- being Jewish, of course, I had a Murray Christmas. Murray Christmas being an, <laughs> an accountant <laughs> on the Upper East Side. <laughs> uh, that well, sounds, with that, that sounds really fun. Borscht belt joke. We, uh, <laughs> we'd like to. Uh, but I've got to get uh, into my mother in law material. <laughs> <laughs> Go uh, over to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great podcasts there. Stuart, you have something you want to say? Yeah, Char, do you have anything you want to... Uh, Charlene, thank you for being our guest. You've been oh. lovely. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm glad that we gave you an opportunity to vent some of your Evan Hansen issues. I feel issues. so much better now that I've gotten that out. Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, so many things to plug. Um, we got Minnie's Bar, which um, was closed for a few days due to... You know, COVID, COVID safety. COVID safety and uh, will reopen tomorrow. Um, that's in Sunset Park. We got Hinterlands, which is open and will all be open for New Year's. Um, you know, hopefully. I think we will. And um, my podcast, I Know the Owner, uh, will be coming back next year. So look out for that. And uh, oh, that's a podcast where bar people talk bar stuff. Yes, bar people talk bar stuff. And uh, I'll be getting some new guests and what? hilarity will ensue. Uh, that sounds <laughs> great. And uh, also thanks to Alex Smith for uh, producing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for the flop house, <laughs> I've been Stuart Dan, was Wellington. that sarcastic? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it. I don't I don't like doing it. Okay, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, and for the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. And I'm Elliot Kalin, and joining us has been... Charlene Wellington. Bye! Bye! <laughs> <laughs> Cinnamon is his first and favorite love, apparently. Oh, man, he's fucking crazy about that shit. Yeah, he just loves it. He's a real Cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have this Cinnamon farm that is uh, going to be paying uh, for my retirement. I guess I'll leave David Kalen to watch over it. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ate all the cinnamon. I just finally hired a security guard for my cinnamon vault. <laughs> I mean, that would be very impressive if he get like the cinnamon is <laughs> hard to eat in large quantities. I mean, particularly on a farm. Well, that's the thing like, is he takes a little bit at a time, so you don't notice it's going until it's too yeah. late. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not like a one night cinnamon binge. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like not a like locust, some cereal mascot. Yes, through. a swarm of tiny David Cain <laughs> swarm over the <laughs> my, cinnamon fields. No, cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the plagues, right? One of the biblical plagues. <laughs> gentlemen, okay. gentlemen, lady, my fellow Americans, we, we face a dire toast crunch emergency. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.